holy, holy, merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Amen. Only He is holy, merciful and mighty. Again, we say none can stay His hand. This morning we're going to start out over in the book of Genesis and in the 15th chapter. Genesis chapter 15. And of course we know that this is about the life and times, if you will, of Abram uh, before the Lord changed his name. Abraham. And I want us to notice a few things here in chapter 15. Now he had just dealt with the battle of the kings. He had just been introduced to Melchizedek. You remember Melchizedek. He was the king of a real place, yet he had the attributes of the Lord. Where he had no beginning and no end. Which is very interesting. It's an interesting study. But he was a real king of a real place. And Abram really did deal with him and pay tithes to this king Melchizedek. After that, in verse 15, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. He was concerned because his wife was barren. Yet, he had a promise that his seed was going to be innumerable like the stars in heaven. So he asked the Lord how this can be. Verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, this Eleazar. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. This heir will truly be physically from him and Sarah. That was God's promise. It wasn't right in the eyes of man because it was too late. Physically, it was too late for them. But with God, all things are possible, aren't they? And he brought him forth abroad. God brought Abram outside, if you will. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars. How many are there? What are their names? What's keeping them from moving out of their place? Tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Abram said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And then he goes into this sacrifice. And this is another study we won't get into today. We have taught on it. But I want us to look at some of the names that are used in Scripture here in this passage. In the second verse, Genesis chapter 15, verse 2, after the word of the Lord had come unto Abram in this vision, saying, Don't fear. I am thy shield 
and thy exceeding great reward. Then Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? Those two words right there are significant. The names here are significant. The first Lord there in the name Lord God is Adonai. I mentioned a few of the names last Sunday. Adonai was one of them. And Adonai denotes ownership. Abram said, Lord Adonai, my owner. That next word, God there, the word is Jehovah. Abram, after this promise from God in this vision to be his shield and his exceeding great reward, is approaching God. This is how he calls his name when he approaches him. He says, Lord Adonai, my owner, Jehovah, the self-existent creator. That's how he's addressing God. He's recognizing his little tiny place in this relationship with God. He's recognizing and expressing back to God what God, of course, already knows. That he belongs to God. He is his. And then he recognized him as a self-existent creator, Jehovah himself. God created him. Certainly, God loves him, loved him, and has promised to be his shield and his exceeding great reward. And we see through the Bible that he kept his promise, didn't he? We are spiritually in the bosom of Abraham, aren't we? Grafted in as children of God. This thing of ownership, it's it's a big thing in our life, isn't it? It really is. From little bitty. We've all seen two children playing with a toy, but the toy was given to one of them. And the other child wants to play with it. He picks it up. And what's one of the first words that we learn? Mine. That's mine. Give me that. That's mine. You might break it. Give me that. Mine. And that's something that it's instilled in our nature, isn't it? It is. And we go to great pains and spend our lives grabbing stuff and saying, it's mine. This is mine. The child doesn't want to share. This possession, it's a way of life through accumulation, isn't it? Some of us are a lot worse than others about accumulating and not letting go of anything. But all of us have the tendency to hold on to things because they're mine. God is the rightful owner, the Jehovah Adonai, or Adonai Jehovah as Abram expresses his name. He's the creator and owner of everything and everyone that exists or has ever existed. In the beginning, God, everything else after that in his creation. And he owns every human being. We talk a lot about, I'm so happy that I'm the Lord's. And I am. Because He saved me. But He reigns on the just and the unjust. He provides for both. And He is the owner, the rightful owner of every human being. That's where this right of His to do with his what he pleases comes from. 
Of course he's a sovereign God. He created all things and all people. Why? For his purpose. He owns us. He can rightfully require us not only to worship him, but to obey obey him. He has the right. And we have the responsibility to believe in him. We've talked a good bit about trees lately and trees in the Bible. Even the trees point to God. They do. Such a great creation whose seed is within itself. We read about that just recently in the first few chapters of Genesis. My stuff becomes very important to me, doesn't it? It does. A lot of it's mine legally. It's I bought that. I paid for that. That was given to me legally. It belongs to me. I now have a right to defend it and to protect it. A right all the way to taking a life. It's my stuff. But is it mine? I didn't create it. It doesn't really belong to me. It really belongs to the Lord, doesn't it? Every single thing does. My truck belongs to the Lord. Credit union might would... Uh, disagree with that but that's okay they belong to him too they just don't know it it all belongs to him everything we have and everything we are we can thank him for can't we because it's really his and what are we what was Eleazar what did Abram say that he was is that it He said Eleazar was a steward. It's in verse 2. Abram said, Adonai Jehovah, Lord God, what would thou give me seeing I go childless and the steward of my house? Is this Eleazar of Damascus? Eleazar didn't own the house. He was the steward of the house. That's what we are. We're stewards of God's creation, of His possessions. We buy a house. It's our house. Usually for at least 30 years, it's ours in the banks or some financial institution. But it's not really ours, is it? Well, I got a deed tucked away somewhere that says it's mine. But it belongs to the Lord, doesn't it? I'm simply the steward of that house. It's my responsibility to paint it every so many years, which I just finished doing. It's my responsibility to see that it's insured in case something happens. It's my responsibility to take care of it. I'm the steward of my house. But the Lord gave it to me to live in. That deed I was talking about, it represents a legal ownership, doesn't it? And it'll hold up in court. This is my house. This is my deed. I have the right to live there. And to protect myself there, to secure myself there and my stuff, quote, unquote, not really mine, it's God's, 
He just allowed me to accumulate it. But I want you to notice that God has a deed, a legal deed to you and your eternal life. Not just your life here on earth. This is short. It's like fog that rose in off the gulf and then disappears when the sun comes up. It really is that short. The older I get, the faster it goes. And he has a legal right to live in you and to live through you. How do you get that? Well, he's always owned you. The Bible tells us that God the Father gave you as a gift even before Adam and Eve. That's how immense, that's how unfathomable, if that's a word, I think it is, is the mind of God. He already knew you. He's like the person in the helicopter watching the parade. He sees the beginning, he sees the end at the same time. He's always owned you. But when Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden exercised their free will (coughs) and chose the wrong tree to partake of the fruit of, they died spiritually. That walk with God every day, that stopped. They were separated from Him, weren't they? They still belonged to God, but their relationship with Him was severed and they were driven from the garden that God planted and made Adam the steward of or the gardener or the dresser God gave Adam and Eve the garden to dress and to keep but it wasn't their garden was it it was his see they were stewards but they failed in their stewardship. And the nature of man and every human born after that, except for one, was altered because of this choice. The free will that man possessed, gift from God, was lost. Every human except Jesus Christ born after Adam and Eve had this nature that is attached to, bound by, imprisoned by sin. Not only were you born a sinner, and the Bible expressly teaches that, Even from your mother's womb, you came out spewing lies, the Bible says. Not only that, but then you sinned. So you're not just a sinner because you have sinned, which you have and you are, but you sinned because your nature is bound to sin. The free will was lost there. But praise God, he had a plan, didn't he? No, Satan in the Garden of Eden did not take God by surprise. There again, he sees the beginning from the end. All of these things God 
allowed and caused to be for the glory of His Son, Jesus Christ. That we would lift Him up in our minds and hearts and glorify Him. For He is worthy of all praise and all glory. So we sent Him to die on the cross of Calvary. The original idea on purchasing a house, purchasing a house, is to pay it off one day. In uh, in our environment here, it's it's typical, just to refinance it, just keep on paying. Well, I want you to know that when Jesus Christ hung on the cross of Calvary, He paid in full Amen. the price for you. He holds the deed for you and your soul and your eternal life in His hand. And in the last few verses of Romans 8, we're told what all can separate us from that love that He has for us. And it's nothing. Paul ends that with, nor any other creature. (laughs) Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You are His He legally purchased you from your prison of this sinful nature that you were born into. We're not owners. We're stewards. Everything is God's. Everything. That word Adonai, again, denotes owner. It occurs almost 300 times in the Old Testament. 215 times of those times refer to people, refer to men. But when it does, it's just add-on. The eye is left off of it, A-D-O-N. And it expresses sir or teacher or master, a place in human order of lifted up. Let's look in Exodus chapter 4 for a minute. Exodus chapter 4. We'll wind this up in Exodus chapter 4. Now, this is when the Lord is calling Moses to deliver the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. Moses didn't want to go, did he? He did not. The Lord told him different things to do. He said, you can uh, take your rod, cast it on the ground. It'll become a serpent. And you pick it back up and it goes back to the rod. Show him that. His hand. Put your forth your hand and pull it back out. It'll be leopardous and it'll heal again. Surely they'll know that I'm the creator of all things, in you, and I have sent you. If they see that, they didn't. But in verse 10, Moses said unto the Lord, we're at Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Moses said unto the Lord, that word used there is Jehovah. The eternal, self-existent creator. And then he says, Oh my Adonai. Oh my Lord. And the word, the name there is Adonai. My owner. The Moses also approaches God in these two expressions of God's person. These two names. So relevant. They're approaching God. Moses said unto the Lord, The Lord Jehovah, Lord, thou that hast created all things, 
And you've made them out of nothing. None has created you. None can tell you what to do. None can instruct you. You are the self-existent creator of me. And he says, Oh, my owner, my Lord Jehovah Adonai. I am not eloquent. It kind of reminds me this the way he's, Oh, my Lord, my Adonai, makes me think of Abraham when he thought he was wearying the Lord by asking him one more time, well, what if there's 30 righteous found in Sodom? Well, what if there's 20? Well, what if there's 10? Remember he said, oh, please hear me. Don't be angry with me. That's paraphrase. Moses could not see himself obeying God in this that God directed him to do. And he came to him saying, Lord Jehovah, oh, my owner, I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, the self-existent Creator said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? you telling me you're not eloquent, you can't speak. I made you. How can you doubt that I would provide whatever it takes for you to do what I gave you to do? Well, that's relevant for us too, isn't it? certainly is. I'm not as bold as those who, who speak against Jesus. Well, I should be to stand up and proclaim the truth of God. In every circumstance, who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or seeing, or blind, have not I the Lord? And yes, He has. We think our imperfections limit us, don't we? We do. Just like Moses. I'm not a good speaker. Lord, don't send me. What's the Lord's answer? I created you. Again, how could you even doubt that I would provide all that it would take for you to obey me? Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or death, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth. And I will teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what ye shall do. We are dependent on the Lord, aren't we? In everything. Oh, and that we would recognize that and remember who to depend on. In every situation, even the little ones, even the little situations and circumstances, when we trust in the Lord, He'll give us what to speak. We just need to open our mouths, don't we? What a provider, what a savior. Our Lord, Jehovah Adonai, the self-existent creator and owner of all who live, but lover of those whom he has sent his son to purchase back who were lost in the fall in the Garden of Eden. We are a special, unique people. God has set us aside for his purpose, hasn't he? Oh, he's a great Savior, isn't he?
a great creator. All praise rightly belongs unto Him, doesn't it? Yeah. We have no right to take any credit for any good thing we think we do or we've done. Any decisions that we've made. No, it's the drawing of the Holy Spirit of God that causes us to do good, isn't it? It really is. So He rightly deserves all the praise, doesn't He? He's a great Savior.